You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. If you've ever thought, can I follow Jesus, but also follow science? Or can I be a good supportive friend and validate feelings without letting feelings become facts? The answer is absolutely yes to all of the above. And Brittany Moses is here on Thrive to help us make it happen. As a thought leader, content creator, and advocate at the intersection of faith and mental health, Brittany is an ideal resource and incredible voice. In this episode, we talk about why therapy is still so stigmatized in some Christian circles and how to help fix that. We talk about learning to personally differentiate between what is doable versus actually sustainable in your own life and living accordingly. We talk about expanding beyond, I'll pray for you in an authentic way, to provide support through presence, practicality, validation, self-awareness, and resourcefulness. And we talk about the difference between living your truth and the truth, and how to validate your and others' feelings while ultimately seeking and following capital T Truth as guide. Stay tuned through this conversation. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Brittany. Hi, Erica. I'm so glad we're finally talking on the podcast. I know, right? We've been Instagram friends for a while. So I'm glad that we finally get to put faces in real life or at least in Zoom life here. (laughs) You are such a leader in the space intersecting faith and mental health, which is something somehow still not talked enough about, which is still mind blowing to me. So I'm really stoked that you are here, uh, but I'm not here to steal your thunder. So tell us about you and about who you are and what you do as a creator and as a thought leader. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much for having this conversation. That's always really refreshing for me to hear because I am in the mental health world and in the kind of faith mental health space. So for me, I hear all the time and I actually sometimes don't realize that actually like in the real world, it's not being talked about a ton. We still have progress to make. So I'm always appreciative of being invited to conversations like this. Um, My name is Brittany and I am born and raised and located in Los Angeles, California with my son, Austin, my 13 year old, it's crazy. And my husband, Jason, and yeah, my jam is really faith and mental health. Um, I studied psychology at UCLA. I'm in a graduate of graduate student of clinical psychology at Pepperdine out here. Um, and gosh, I always like to say that it's my experiences that gave me the compassion and the understanding starting out, but then it's really my studies and getting to do research that kind of gave me the language in navigating these conversations. So, um, I was born and raised in the church. I was a church girl. My parents were like youth ministry pastors. And I was one of those kids running through the pews and uh, grew up in the church, kind of fell away in my teens and then came back when I had my son young. I have a whole kind of young, unexpected pregnancy, single mom story around 17, 18 years old that led me on a really complicated journey, difficult journey, lots of ups and downs. 
but praise God, when we don't look like what we've been through, we're here and we're okay. But I did struggle with some mental health challenges, um, like anxiety, like bouts of depression. And I think going through the church experience, I, I realized that the church does a lot of things well, like gathering and social support. And that was so needed and appreciated during that time. But there wasn't a lot of language around the factors and dynamics of mental health both being in the church, but also serving with youth and young adults at the time. And I just realized, you know, we, we're missing some aspects of this conversation. And so that kind of is part of what led me to go back to school where I got to study and do some research, got to do a independent research thesis at UCLA on anxiety and childhood trauma. And so I'm trying to like make it as short as possible, but that's kind of like where my world intersects. And so I've gotten to you know, speak publicly about it. I got to write a book around faith and mental health. And I've gotten to do great podcasts like this and got into the content creation world, the blogging world when everyone was blogging um, like 10 years ago. That's really, I think, what kind of launched things off. I was writing a lot of articles about faith and mental health when not a lot of people were talking about it. Um, and so that's what I've been doing is just kind of content creation and community work alongside my studies. It's crazy how it can still feel so taboo, like you said, to talk about faith and mental health in the same sentence. Why do you think that is? Like, why do you think so many Christians, especially, still stigmatize going to therapy or struggle talking about mental health? Oh my gosh. This is like one of my favorite questions um, because it really just comes down to a matter of perspective, you know? Um, sometimes people will lean toward, we kind of like break it up into two perspectives. I think we have this like secular view of psychology, which is all about maybe what's evidence-based and what the science says and what's culturally come up at that time. And it doesn't, right. It's not inclusive to like faith or God or what maybe what the biblical worldview is. And so a lot of people have that in their mind about psychology. It's just the secular view. And that pushes some people of faith away because they're like, what are the motives? What is this rooted in? You know, valid questions to have to ask. But then if you go to the other side of the spectrum, there's this 100% spiritual view that's taken place. You know, if you kind of were to swing the pendulum all the way to the other side, and that's this idea that everything is a spiritual root, everything is a spiritual matter, you know, and so the reverse of that logic means that if you have an issue, then something must be wrong with you spiritually. It must be a flaw in your faith or your um, in your belief system or um, you're not praying enough, you're not reading enough scripture, and maybe it doesn't take into account some of the evidence-based things that are real, like our biology and our genetics and our environment that do play a role. And so I think those of us like myself who are really interested in the intersection of faith and psychology are advocating this integrated view of seeing ourselves as biological, psychological, social, and spiritual beings, or biopsychosocial spiritual beings, and um, coming to this more holistic view. So I think that um, over the years, if I'm just honest, as someone who's raised in the church and been in it for decades, is we've um, done a lot of heavy work on the spiritual side, which, I mean, we should. We are spiritual caretakers of the soul in the church. Um, but there probably hasn't been much attention to these other dynamics that can also be playing a role in the human experience. Absolutely. And I feel like people forget too, that 
there are trained mental health professionals who are also Christian and wow. there is like they exist in yeah. the field. So if you are, I mean, I, I went to therapy myself and it was a Christian therapist who I was seeing. So you can actually find the integration between the two in the field, in practice, where people actually will talk about the science behind what you're experiencing and still bring Jesus into it and still talk about it. And that, that can exist in the practice and in your healing process too, where it it can, you can see the integration of the two play out and both can have a hand in helping you move forward. And it doesn't have to be this black or white one or the other thing. So I would say that as a tidbit of encouragement, if you are a Christian listening, who's been debating therapy or you're on the fence between the two yourself, the, the integration exists and they, they can, they can both play in the same, they can play in the same ball game here. So yeah, Erica, I'd love to add to that. Like there are really great directories like psychologytoday.com where you can actually filter for a Christian therapist if that's what you're looking for. Or, you know, if you're going through your insurance, you can you can try to filter through those things as well. Um, so that's great. It's obviously so much more helpful to have someone who aligns with your world worldview. But I also do like to throw in there if someone is in crisis or you're in crisis and there is like suicidal ideation or self-harm or you just kind of feel like you're losing it. Um, It's better to get some help than no help, um, whether that means going to a crisis center or going to the hospital or what have you. So I also don't want people to not get help because they haven't found or navigated the person who is a Christian yet. If it's a crisis, get the help to get on solid ground so that you can then continue your journey and finding someone who, um, for long-term care is a fit for you. Absolutely. (laughs) I think that kind of ties into, to the idea of sustainability and kind of like that long run mental goodness in your mental health for the long run versus doing what's just doable in the moment for the time being. And I know this is something you've kind of talked about a little bit yourself in the past in terms of differentiating between the two and kind of seeing, okay, when are we focusing on what's doable versus when is it more important to be taking that bigger, longer, farther view of what is the most sustainable decision or the most sustainable option. So I would love to hear if you have any tricks or recommendations on kind of identifying the difference between the two for yourself personally, so that you can kind of discern in a healthy way and create that good habit of like, all right, am I doing this because I'm in the practice of doing, doing, doing right now? Or am I doing this because it is the best long-term, most sustainable option? Yes. This is always a good question for myself as someone who is considered like high functioning. Like, yes. Same. <laughs> you know, and, the, and by that, I mean like the person who just has a lot of ideas and is inspired by a lot of things and you just want to do this and do that. And the truth is that like, I truly believe that a lot of us are totally capable of doing a lot of things. Right. And that's what encourages us. We're like, Oh, I could do that. Like I could totally do this. And, and even if it's at work and you're just given a huge load and it's like, okay, you might have things on your plate that are doable that you can do because you are a competent and capable, intelligent human being. I'm speaking that into you. Like, you know, but I think we have to start asking bigger questions. And this is great considering like we're entering the new year to be thinking about this intentionality of, but is this sustainable? Like, is this sustainable for my, my life? 
you know, um, to add this to my plate. Like I might be able to do this for the week or for the month, but is this something I could sustainably do in the long term? Um, are are big questions to ask. And so just thinking about what our daily, what our daily life looks like, what our daily functioning looks like, and what makes sense to fit in. I always talk about how in hustle culture, there's this like idea of just like, go, 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 work no matter what, like forget everything else, make money, you know, all of that. And I'm like, no, like I, I want to do what feels good in my body. I want to do what feels good in my home and like settles my home. I want to do what is good for my family in the long run, right? It's taking this more grounded perspective of developing a grounded and wholesome life so that we can show up as our true selves. I think that we all know what it feels like to be overworked and over busy. And we are living outside of ourselves. We are living out of body. And next thing we know, we're disconnected from our convictions, from our priorities. We're spread too thin. And so this is just like giving permission to give yourself permission to take things off your plate You know, um, if it is taking from you being able to stay in the lane that you're called to, and it's taking from the things that matter most in life, like your home life, like your mental health, like your physical health, like your family, um, which is what is sustainable in the long run. So thinking about, okay, what's doable now, take that a little bit further. What's sustainable? Like I could, you could start a blog tomorrow but maybe it's not doable to have a post going out every day. You know, for me, it was like when I had the podcast, like I could start a podcast, but maybe it's not doable for me to have an episode go out every week. I just had to come to terms. So we're going to do bi-weekly. Like if you want to do things, that's fine. But think about systems that are sustainable for you in the long run. Absolutely. I don't know about you, but I feel like it often happens where we kind of end up being in one category in terms of what's doable, where it's almost like one area of our life where we're put, when we might be putting a little bit too much of our identity or getting a little bit too much of that from, and that is where we end up laser focusing and doing too much where other parts of our life become not doable or unsustainable because we're so focused in on just the work or so focused in on, okay, I'm going to be super mom, but then it's at, it's at the expense of what? And I feel like that is kind of a question you can maybe ask yourself to try to figure out, am I, is this doable or is this actually a sustainable pace is like, what is it coming at the expense of? And if it's coming at the expense of other things that it maybe shouldn't be coming at the expense of, okay, well, it might be doable in the moment, but that might not be sustainable because you can't expense that other thing forever. I would love if, I mean, we could just practice, like, I love a visualization practice and whether it's visualizing the year ahead or it's visualizing your day, it's pausing and taking a deep breath and really meditating on how do I want to feel in my day? Like, what do I want my day to look like? How do I want to feel as I'm moving through my day? What are the things that are most important to me today that I want to give the most presence to today? Um, And what are the things that matter maybe not as much or can be moved around or can be done with flexibility, you know? So even just visualizing for yourself, like what does a grounded life look like for you? And, And what does that look like on a daily basis? You can start with how you would start your mornings and 
how you would organize your workday and when you would turn it off and cut off your workday and how you're going to settle into your home and and mentally disconnect from work and decide how the rest of the evening is going to go and be present with your family. Like pause and visualize what that actually looks like, what that feels like, and then go into it with that intention. Um, it's kind of what, uh, you know, athletes do before a game, you know, they visualize the game, they visualize how they're going to go in for the shot, they visualize how they're going to block how they're going to move, because it sets their mind and body up intentionally for how to enter that game. So have a visualization practice in the morning. Um, our brain actually has a hard time kind of distinguishing between reality and what's imagined. So kind of like even tricking our brain in that way into visualizing like, Hey brain, this is how we're going to, this is how we're going to go today. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I would imagine most of us wouldn't wake up and imagine feeling uh, stressed out or hyperventilating or completely frazzled or all over the place and overwhelmed. So if that's not how you would visualize your day going ideally, and that's how you find your day going, maybe that's a good indicator that something's got to shift. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, on another shift, I would love to hear your thoughts on spiritual bypassing, because I know this is something that you were talking about on Instagram not too long ago. And I had never heard that term before you mentioned it. And it was just like fascinating. And I was just listening, being like, yes, this is so true. This is so good. Go Brittany, go. So (laughs) tell us all about it right here. Yeah, it's it's funny because when I talk about spiritual bypassing, everybody goes, oh, that's what that is. Like, there's a word for that. And I know that was that way for me when I discovered the word. And it's it's exactly what it sounds like. You, you take a situation in life that either you're going through or someone else is going through that is real, that is involved with real and complex emotions um, that might include a process of recovery or healing or that are just really difficult. And we use spiritual language to bypass that reality. So for example, you might hear terms like, we'll just pray about it. Or, well, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, so you shouldn't be afraid. Or, well, you know, I'm sorry that they passed, but at least they're in a better place. Or, you know, um, all things work, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? It's like, and the thing is, I, I I like to give grace because I do believe that many people who say this are well-intentioned and do care for the person. So I don't want to villainize people, people who have spiritually bypassed. I've done it in the past. I just didn't know better. A lot of us are repeating things that people have said to us, repeating things that we've heard. But the at the essence of spiritual bypassing is a discomfort of being able to sit with someone's emotions. Um, it's a fear of not knowing what to say and not knowing how to fix the situation and also feeling like you need to fix the situation when you don't. Um, you know, I love how in scripture, you know, God talks about how one plants the seed and another waters and God makes it grow. Like we don't have to be that entire process, you know, let God be at work in their life. Um, and when we remove our need to be God, our need to be the savior, we're less likely to spiritually bypass. Um, we're more likely to be able to just sit there and ask questions like, you know, what do you need in this moment? Or what can I, I mean, I mean it like, what can I do for you? Like be honest in this moment or, 
um, what usually helps you when you're feeling this way? Or, you know, um, it makes sense why you'd feel this way. Like I completely understand why you would feel this way considering everything that you're going through. Or even, I don't have all the answers to this, but I'm here for you and I'm happy to help you find someone who knows more in this area um, so that we can get some help because you deserve solutions. I mean, how does it feel even hearing that, right? It's like, that feels validating. It feels genuinely supportive. And it's not like we're just throwing these phrases over someone's pain or someone's difficulty and they are allowed the process of being human and go in the autonomy of sorting through their journey um I truly believe people are resilient and are intuitive and we discount people when we rob them of being able to go through that experience naturally you know um that's not to say that we can't support them with scripture, right? I never. I always like to make sure I say that. Like, that's not to say we can't use scripture to support people. I mean, I'm trying to think of ways that I've done it. You know, I, I might've said something, you know, when I was going through something like this, this is a scripture that really anchored me. Like, I don't know if this might be helpful for you, but I thought I would share it with you. And I'm here if you want to talk about it. Like, things like that. I think there are ways to introduce it, you know, to introduce scripture rather than starting with spiritual language to bypass um, very real emotions and processes that people are allowed to have. Yeah. I think you nailed it too, because Jesus was not dismissive of people's feelings or just throwing people away being like, well, God's got this. So just trust that and see you later. Like, and I feel like that is where, like so all of the phrases you just said, don't discount at all God's involvement in the in the picture or any sort of spiritual incorporation. If anything, it just builds upon it in a way that actually shows a deeper level of care and understanding that's more real and more authentic and definitely more helpful. Because I feel like the place that we've gotten to where is people will use like, oh, I'll pray for you as like a cop out of a conversation if they feel emotionally uncomfortable, where in the moment, you're not necessarily, the person's probably questioning whether or not you even mean it. Like I've actually, I've heard it said some, um, one of my mentors said that whenever somebody says that to him, he'll stop them in the moment and be like, can we do it right now together? Oh, like, yeah. can you pray for me? Like right now, could we do it out loud together in this moment? Because he's like, otherwise, I don't know if you're actually going to do it. You might be just be saying that to get out of it. And I would like the prayers, but I want them like now. So I know it's happening. And when we're in that position where it's just being used to gloss over something, that's where Christians end up getting a bad rap or that's where like certain things end up becoming a reputation or something that's a negative, a negative look on something instead of positive, because it's exactly what you said. It's like, you're just bypassing over people's feelings and not actually sitting in discomfort with them. And I feel like sitting in the discomfort with people and allow and like sharing that space with them is probably one of the most meaningful things you could do for somebody in their pain and in trying to like alleviate it a little bit with them and just like be present with them. I know on your Instagram, you kind of 
broke out those phrases and labeled them as certain things, which I want to call out for everybody because I feel like there are helpful ways to kind of remember what each phrase was, if that's how your brain works. Um, Cause you label them as pre- adding presence, practicality, validation, self-awareness, and resourcefulness to the conversation. So it was those phrases you said, I'm here if you, if you, t- I'm here to listen, if you want to talk about it, I could help take, if I could take one thing off your shoulders, what would be most helpful right now? Um, It's understanding why you would feel this way, considering what you're going through, what usually helps you feel better when it's like this. And I may not have all the answers, but I'm here for you and happy to help you find someone who knows more in this area. So I love how you labeled those because I feel like if that's just how your brain works and you're in the moment, you can think, okay, how can I be more present or how can I practically help or how can I add a resource just like a quick little nugget that might kickstart when you otherwise feel in like an awkward or just not really sure what to say kind of situation. Yeah. And I want to challenge that, you know, if you do find yourself as someone who has a hard time when people bring up something to you, that's like really deep, or it's like, you don't know what to say. Um, The challenge is that we tend to be as comfortable with other people's emotions as we are with our own emotions and vice versa. A lot of times people's response to you and it is a reflection of their comfortability with their own emotions and how they process things. And mm-hmm. some people just don't go there with themselves. They just, they don't allow themselves to sit with those. That was me. Let me just, I am those people, right? That was me. Um, I took a lot of healing. I had uh, my, I don't know if you guys talk about like attachment styles, but mine was like avoidant dismissive, meaning like, we're just like very hyper independent. Like I got this, we just keep going. And that was my survival instinct because of what I'd gone through in my past. I learned to just keep pushing to survive because it was a necessity. But then the, really the definition of trauma is that you're still using these ways of coping and adapting in situations that you no longer need them. Right. Like now I'm at a place in my life where I, 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 I have safety in my own home. Like I can pause, I can take it in, I can process. And so, um, that was me. And if you are someone who is also like that, um, or, you know, someone like that, a lot of times it's because we are as comfortable with other people's emotions as we allow ourselves to be comfortable with our own. So spiritual bypassing doesn't only happen with other people, with bypassing other people's emotions. It also happens with bypassing our own. If we're going through things and go, what's okay, like God's got it, or, you know, God hasn't given me a spirit of, I mean, nothing's wrong with affirmations. We can affirm these things. I do that. But like, if we're using it to, again, bypass or distract or distance ourselves from processing from processing real emotions, um, we embody that. And we talk a lot about how the things that we don't process come out sideways. Like they, the wounds that we don't process come out sideways. They come out in the undercurrents of our relationships and our thoughts and emotions and perspectives about the world and even about our relationship with God. And so it's so important, uh, needless to say, to deal with those emotions and where they're coming from and what are, how we're translating and interpreting things so that we can reframe them in a healthier way. But that's where that self-awareness comes from. So yeah, I mean, a lot of times spiritual gut bypassing comes from how we're dealing with our own stuff or how people are dealing with their own stuff. And we find that the more comfortable that we get sitting with our own emotions and facing things in reality, um, 
the more comfortable we are with where people are in their distress and we can sit with them and say, I get it. I'm here. We don't, we can talk if you want to. We cannot talk if you don't want to. I'm happy to just be a presence and we can be okay with that. Yeah. And I feel like so much of this too is kind of what we talked about before we hit record in terms of there's this, this gray area that exists between your feelings and facts and this so much of what we see or in secular society I feel like especially nowadays is this idea of living your truth like with air quotes around that which I feel like is really hard and is troubling because it becomes twisted and it allows for this gray space where opinions can be facts and feelings can override reality and we can be encouraged to kind of follow our own ideas and our own ideologies and dive into that and align our external experiences to that instead of seeking the truth as like an overarching truth and aligning our internal reality to that. So I would love to hear your perspective here on where where we can kind of align the two to honor your feelings and validate them and not bypass over them and still very much acknowledge their how real they feel, especially in the moment versus ultimately seeking the truth and in a biblical sense, in a spiritual sense, whatever and kind of being able to align our feelings in time mm-hmm. with that, where we can kind of anchor on something a little bit deeper and not just allow our feelings to kind of like rule and override our lives. <laughs> right, right. There's a difference between giving space for our emotions to build self-awareness. And I actually believe that's a part of spiritual maturity is incorporating the whole self and being run by your emotions or being emotion led or what we would call the um, cognitive bias of being emotion focused, which is that just because you feel something then you believe it's true, but feelings come and go and our feelings aren't truth. They're indicators of, you know, they're signs, they're indicators pointing us inward of the things that are going on within us, whether it's unmet needs or, you know, wounds, unhealed wounds, or um, even, of course, in the case of anger, cases where um, you've been, um, what's the word I'm looking at, violated in some way, right? And so, you feel anger because you've been violated. A boundary has been crossed. A line has been crossed. And so it's an indicator of something. Um, and so we like to, I like to talk a lot about partnering with God and your emotions. God gave us emotions, you know, he created us. So um, he is in the emotional process and it's going to what you said. It's really just, gosh, grounding ourselves in truth, which is so difficult when you're clouded by so many feelings and emotions and I'm just going to be honest, especially when your reality is telling you something different, right? Like, let's just be honest. If there are a million things going wrong at the same time in your day, you know, your reality is telling you that there's no reason to hope, you know, your reality is telling you to fear, you know, um, that's real. That's a human response. It's even a biological response. We have a fight or flight system that when we think we're in danger, it's not just something that we think it's also something that our body responds to, which is why I tell people not to shame themselves for what they're feeling. You know, a lot of times are, it's not just 
in our head, our bodies are physically responding to our experiences, you know? And so I always think about in the scripture in Ephesians 4, 26, where we're, where it says to be angry, but sin not. I, I think that scripture is always such a great like starting point about this conversation where it's like, it's like, understand your emotions. Like the emotions within and of themselves are not bad. A lot of what I see have happened in the history of kind of Christian culture is we put the devil behind every emotion, right? It's like that emotion's the devil, that emotion's the devil. Like, no, that emotion is an indicator our motivations, it, that's different. How our motivations are leading us to act. To me, the motivations are more of the flesh, right? And But the emotions are neutral indicators into how we're feeling. So we, we experience a feeling, whether it's anger, whether it's sadness, whether it's envy, whether it's whatever it is, acknowledge that I'm having these feelings and they're real. Acknowledge where they're coming from. Acknowledge what's triggered those things. And then take that into the consideration of scripture. You know, well, who has, I know this is how I feel, you know, but who has God called me to be, you know, and how has scripture called me to respond? And how do I display, how do I pause and meditate on the fruits of the spirit in this moment and make sure that I am displaying the character of Christ. Um, taking that pause is so important, like I said, because sometimes our brain and our body is literally hijacked by cortisol, by a neurochemical, by a hormonal reaction that we need to resettle into our bodies before we give a response before we act, before we even think about the next thing to do, because maybe our perspective is currently tainted by fear and it's not grounded in God's truth. So let's take a step back and think about, um, again, visualize, you know, I love the visualization practice, like maybe even visualize, like how, how am I responding in this moment? Like, how do I want to show up to this moment? Like, what do I want the end result of this to be? Like really visualize it and align yourself with um, what it looks like to show up in a Christ-like manner, to show up within God's truth. You know, Ephesians 4.23 says to let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That is the Christian piece of all this for, you know, to me, it's like, we're not just reacting because we feel we are going to pause. We're going to say a prayer. We're going to take a deep breath. We're going to visualize how we're called to respond in these situations and align ourselves with the identity that God has called us to. And that takes a lot of discipline and patience and, and maybe some counseling and therapy, depending on how deep those triggers go, you know. Um, but it's funny, Erica, I was just saying to someone the other day, like, as I've gotten older, I don't respond the way I used to. Like, I used to respond to every hot topic. I needed to everyone to know exactly how I felt about every single thing, where I stood on every single thing. And, you know, and regardless of what people thought, like, I just, I, I was more reactive. And I think that maybe happens when you're younger. Um and now it's like, if you see me not reacting to hot button things all the time or 
you know, not commenting on every negative thing or whatever. It's because like I've grown into this emotional awareness of self-control and what is the ultimate fruit that I want to come out of this end result? Like if this action doesn't align with the fruit of it, with it being fruitful, then I don't need to act in this way. You know, it's kind of a more modern day example for myself. Yep. I love that. I would always say to people, pause to um, respond instead of react. And it's the exact sort of thing where I think if you can take a step back and allow people to have the wrong idea about you and have, and truly get to a place where that does not bother you, or at least does not bother you enough where you're okay with them. You don't need to prove them wrong, or you don't need to like get up and have a debate with them to show them why you're right and why you are this way. If you can just have that quiet confidence that you know who you are, God knows who you are. The most important people around you know who you are. (laughs) And if Sally up the street thinks that you are something that's like totally off the wall, you can let her think that. And if she, in her personal journey, is is going to take up that assumption as as the truth about you and is unwilling to be wrong or see things differently that's her that's her that's her journey that's fine yeah. <laughs> like if you're i think that's such a such a signal of emotional intelligence and strength and spiritual maturity when you can get to that point of truly being like you know what if so and so thinks this about me that's fine they can think it. that about me that's yeah. their opinion everybody has one they're like butts we've all got one like yeah it's not something that I need to fight or prove that's not my job like you said earlier like that's the spirit's job I have a whole life like I can't focus on these things and 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 also just wanting to speak to the side of that's like the side of emotions with other people, but then there's that side of emotions with ourselves where it's like, we might be feeling like our anxiety is telling us like, or especially like health anxiety might be telling us, oh my gosh, we're going to die. We're having a panic attack or anxiety might be telling us like everything is going to go wrong or depression might be telling us that we're worthless. Um, and there's no hope, right? There are those internal dialogues as well, where we can let our feelings, you know, overtake um, the truth of who God is saying we are and gosh, it's, and that's a whole complex situation too, because in some cases, clinically, there are things going on in the body, um, where there's, um, where you could be lethar like genuinely lethargic and you feel like you don't, you're in brain fog. You mentally don't feel like you have the energy or the wherewithal to fight these thoughts. And in these cases, I would say, one, yes, obviously ground yourself in God's truth and affirm it over your life every day. We can we can obviously say that. Um, but then I think for me, in reality, in the times where I was so low or there was so much going on that I couldn't see my, my own identity, like I couldn't see myself, I couldn't see my hope for the future, um, that's where it was so important to have people in my life who could speak to the hope that I have and could speak to my identity and could speak to who I'm called to be and speak that life back into me when I just couldn't ration it for myself because I had so much in life that was bombarding me and my emotions. And that's real. So this is also where it's really important to have people in your life who aren't going to bypass, but who can sit with you empathetically and compassionately and also continue to speak truth to you. 
And that's why it's also important to be in community and to plant yourself in safe spaces. Um, a lot of times we, we, it's not until we're in crisis that we wish we had people around. And that's why I always say, no, in preventative mental health care is that you are planting yourselves in these spaces ahead. You're making it a lifestyle of connecting and having community and investing in community. So, so that, I mean, this isn't the sole reason, but as a byproduct of that, when you are going through things, you already have the community around you. And for me, that was life-changing. That was a turning point is having the right people in my life who could direct me and speak to me in the moments where I couldn't see myself and I couldn't see the truth. Absolutely. And taking care of yourself before you get to a position of crisis and going to therapy ahead of time, instead of just waiting until you know you need help, like it all adds up. I also, speaking of resources, you have a resource that you created that I want to make sure we mention because you have a book called Worthy, which is a fabulous little devotional. So give us, (laughs) give us your little elevator pitch for Worthy because it's something that every listener should grab a copy of. Yeah. So I'm so excited about this. I felt really good about this. So worthy is 50, 50 mindful moments to bring clarity and peace to your day. So it's a daily devotional. Like literally it's a page that you read of just truth and inspiration to, and, and a grounding message to ground your day, to give you peace and clarity in a certain area of your life. And then there's a mental health tracker where you can track, you know, where, where your mental health is, how much sleep you got, what you're grateful for, how you're applying the message of the day. And then there's an affirmation of the day. So it's really meant to be something that you can check in with daily um, because we have a lot going on in our lives. And I know for a lot of us, you can be reading and reading a bunch and then you forgot what you just read. So this is really meant to be snippets of truth and snippets of clarity and peace and inspiration. Um, So I'm really happy about that because when I was writing it, It was like a lot going on. We were coming out of the pandemic. There was a lot of stuff in the news and everyone was overwhelmed. Everyone was dealing just with being like hyper information and overstimulation. So we decided to create something that was simplistic, that is refreshing, that you can open to just reground and reset and renew your mind for the day going in, or you can do it at night. Um, and so that's that's worthy. That's what it's about. And it, it is integrated. So it not only has the spiritual information, every spiritual inspiration, every day does open with a scripture um, for the day, but also it has uh, psychological tips that are integrated in it as well. And as well as ones that are focused on breathing and physiological or somatic tips as well for grounding your body. Um, so it's, it's all integrated and it's kind of all inclusive in that way. Um, and it's really interesting because I've had between us here on the podcast, um, I've had friends who are actually non-believers who like bought my book out of support, but then they picked, picked it up and they were like, we were reading through this and, you know, we're not really religious, but like, this really spoke to me. This was like, I could use this, like, you know, so that's really cool. You know, um, it's very inviting in that way. And that, um, hopefully no matter where people are in their faith or in their journey, like it will be inviting, it will be warm, but it will still speak to truth and, um, be a grounded piece of your daily routine. 
Yeah. A tool to help you thrive. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Well, Brittany and getting things wrapped up, I want to ask you what I ask all guests on the show to close out, which is what does thrive mean to you and how do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Ooh, yeah, I, gosh, I'm thinking about this in terms of the new year, just with myself, like to me, I was just talking about how like, in the new year, we focus a lot on goals, like, I want to thrive in my mental health by, you know, working out more, or I want to, I don't know, like eat more vegetables, or I want to, I don't know, whatever it is, I want to write a book or start a blog or become a social media person, whatever it is. And really what we should be focusing on is our identity and our core beliefs. So I think thriving in this context means we are aligning our core beliefs with who we see ourselves to be and who we are capable of being. And because we are aligning with this person, our actions and our habits are coming from that. Right. So instead of like, I want to work out more or I want to, it's like, no, I am a person who embodies wellness. And as a person who embodies health and wellness, I commit to nourishing my body in this way, or I commit to moving my body. So it gets the energy it needs. Or as a person who is financially responsible, a byproduct of that is that I commit to creating budget for myself quarterly or whatever it is. So to me, thriving means that we are renewing our minds about our identity and who we are, and then therefore aligning with actions that, um, that also fuel that identity. And that's kind of how sanctification works as well, right? We have a new identity in Christ. We start acting in ways that align with Christ, which then in a cycle builds our character into becoming more like Christ. And that gives us evidence that we are this identity. And so that's the sanctification. But in a way, you can apply that same process in other aspects of your life and your identity. I love that. That's so, so, so good. (laughs) Tell, Tell everybody where they can find you online to connect with you more. Yeah. So I'm on all the things. You can go to BrittanyMoses.com. That's kind of the central hub with the blog and all my socials come from there, but I'm on Instagram and I'm on TikTok. I'm like TikTok right now. (laughs) Um, Started doing that. Um, And I'm on Twitter and then I have the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. So if you guys are interested in topics like this at the intersection of Faith and Mental Health, we have that where we have conversations with, um, pastoral leaders with uh, mental health professionals, psychologists, researchers, therapists, and those with lived experience at the intersection of faith and mental health. It's a very educational and inspirational podcast. Um, And then, yeah, you can grab my book on Amazon and uh, dayspring.com and wherever books are sold. So would love to have you guys and some new friends. And I'm so grateful to be having this conversation. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.